0: Amen. All right. So many good things happening. Wow. How many of you have been enjoying this series and digging in deep into your souls? Are you liking that? Has it been a little like, oh my gosh, ow, that hurt. Yeah. Okay. Well, that today is going to happen like five times. Okay. Uh, We're going to talk about offense today. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just believe that God wants to do some deep work in our hearts. That's what we've been praying for, this soul transformation reality that we've been working towards. He wants to prepare us for the bounce back. You know, that one wound that you've been holding on to for so long and you've yet to see yourself bounce back from. And I just think that God wants to do some healing today in our offenses, in our unforgiveness. Uh, and it's going to take some work. You like work? Good. Good. Here we go. A few people are ready. But I think one of the greatest hindrances um, to spiritual formation and transformation of our souls is uh, caring of offenses. It's the things we keep continuing to hold on to. Uh, and it's these wounds that have yet to be released to our Savior that need to experience healing, that keep us from the full restoration of our souls. So I think you'll be surprised to know that it's not just our souls that are impacted, by our offense. There's way more to the story. So we're going to dig into that a little bit today. So today the title of my message is The Silent Killer. Are you ready for this? All right, let's pray as we get ready to receive the word today. God, we just ask right now that your spirit would just be in the room. Thank you, Lord. That whenever two or more together, you're here, you're in our midst. God, you've already been working, you've already been preparing, you've already been healing, Lord Jesus. The right people are in this auditorium today. The right people are online. The right people are in auditorium too to hear your word today, God. And I just pray that as I speak, Lord, that our hearts will be quickened to what you're trying to say to us as individuals. God, we just thank you for your word. We believe it, and we want to use it to restore our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as I mentioned, there's much more to the story than just soul damage when you're hurt, right? There's more to the story when you're carrying an offense. So what I love about science, some of you all might be like, I don't like science. I don't trust the science. And there are some things I don't trust, but there are some things that ultimately often lead back to biblical truths. Not everything, But some things lead back to pointing people back to God, back to a creator, back to health and healing through really what the word of God would say as well. So I have some just ideas and uh, thoughts from some scientists who would speak to the idea of what offense can do to us. So Hopkins Medical Journal says this. Whether it's a simple spat with your spouse or a long-held resentment toward a family member or friend, unresolved conflict can go deeper than you may realize. It may be affecting your physical health. There's an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed, says Karen Swartz. I just wanna pause here because Swartz is my maiden name, spelled exactly like that. And I just think you should know that I I am just as smart as Karen Swartz. But Karen is a director of Mood Disorders Adult Consultation Clinic uh, at the John Hopkins Hospital. So if you need like a badge of honor and truth that she is, she is a doctor, she knows what she's saying, okay? We can, we can listen to her. There is an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed, she says. And chronic anger puts you into a fight or flight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels, leading to improved health. Mayo Clinic would go on to say that continuing to hold on to grudges may lead to becoming depressed, irritable, or anxious, and or becoming at odds with your spiritual belief. That's what Mayo Clinic said. Mayo Clinic is rounding this out for us to understand that there is a spiritual reality that affects our souls, that affects us as beings, and so the the truth is is that our bodies are deeply affected by our decisions to hold on to offense. Offense can become a silent killer. It doesn't just eliminate the health of our soul, but deeply affects our bodies. While decreasing our health, it also limits the extent of our growth and our desire for deep transformation. See, some of us are sitting around waiting for miraculous things to happen, but there's something getting in the way of experiencing that transformation. So I'm gonna bring up um, a few people for an example. So my son, Justice, he's gonna come up. Shiloh, you can come help too. You wanna come help? Okay, Pastor Howie, Alicia. All right. So we have this example today of what can happen when we do not let go of the past. When we do not let go of our offenses. This is Justice. One of my children. This is Shiloh, my other child. Okay. So what we're going to do here is Justice has been offended by Auntie Alicia. This, okay, this isn't meant to be a family moment, but it is, okay? Sorry, howie. You're fa- you're grafted you're grafted in. Adopted Uncle Howie. Okay. Auntie Alicia uh, offended Justice because she didn't let him come over and ride bikes with Gideon. Uh, so he's super upset at her for that. Howie just, like, said something critical of Justice. And Shiloh is her, his sister. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You guys pa- pa- pull back a little as tight as you can. All right, so I know like some of those sound really light. Okay, so here's the truth. There's so much more depth to some of our offenses. Some of them are as casual as you're my sister. I need to assume the best of you and just get over it because you're 11. The other things though, there are deep, deep wounds that have happened to us. Maybe something happened in our childhood that we just cannot let go of. Maybe we were, you know, in a vulnerable position by an adult and we're still in that place, not like able to get out of that victim place, maybe we have been cheated on by our spouse, maybe somebody just constantly criticizes us, a parent that has never said they're proud of us, whatever it is, we know that there's depth to the fence. it's not just always these like light things, like I forgot to say hi to you in the lobby, however, that does happen, and if you're getting offended about it, that's not about me, that's about you, okay. <laughs> But here's the thing, it happens to all of us. We have these deep places that we've yet to see healing or we're walking around able to be offended by even the littlest things because we've yet to let go of things of the past. So we have Justice here and let's just pretend I'm nowhere like Jesus, I'm trying to be like him. But I'm Jesus and Justice is going to try to come to me with these offenses in his heart. And as you can see, (laughs) he's so, so strong. Somebody's gonna get hurt, I feel like. Screen's gonna get popped. He's trying, but there is this gap. This is reality of I can't go where I need to go because I'm stuck in my past. Okay, thank you guys. So this is this is the reality of fence. Well done. Thank you. See, as our bodies decay, as our souls get mangled up in these offenses, as, our, as we get stuck in the past, in the history, or even a moment from yesterday, we tend to lose the ability to move forward in our lives. We get stopped up. Offense, though, is a one-way street. I want you to know this, okay? Offense is a choice. Everyone say it out loud. Offense is a choice, Say it until you believe it. Offense is a choice, okay? So here's the reality. Justice has these offenses he's held onto for so long, but those people have moved on with their lives. They are not stuck to justice. Justice is stuck to him, them. And that's the reality. How many of you have watched people move on with their lives and you're just so bitter and frustrated because they're moving on and you're still mad at them and they're, they're, they've moved on? Some of them don't even know they hurt you. Some of them know they have and they don't care. But they moved on. And the reality is, is that offense affects you the greatest. It affects you and your relationship with God and humanity the greatest. And the relationship with yourself. But here's the thing. Our struggle is that we need offense. We like the ability to stay offended, some of us. In some ways, it kind of gives us the right Never walk around like, "Well, I have the right because this happened to me as a child." I, I've had that temptation. It gives you this badge of honor, this reason to be angry, this thing that says, "I tried humans and they hurt me, so now I have this like ability to do whatever I want." Right? We have this kind of need to stay in our dysfunctions of offense. And all our dysfunctions like lots of times. We like sometimes the drama a little bit more than we should. (laughs) We fear letting go because the future, as the future without the strong emotions of anger and bitterness, we would feel lopsided and intimidating. We don't know how to move into the future without something to be about, right? And that's where like some of our passion lies in that place. Some of our like ability to have movement lies in that place of like uh, the energy we get from being offended. When we're really realizing that it's actually not energy, it's taking a toll deeply on us. One psychologist would say that some of us actually have a tendency for interpersonal victimhood. Some of you in the room right now might need to examine: Do I just? Am I always mad at something? Am I Eeyore? And you know, if you don't want to ask yourself that question, go ask five people around you to be very honest and say, Am I Eeyore? Am I always offended? Do I always look for hurt? Maybe you have a tendency for interpersonal victimhood where everything is about you and people wanting to hurt you and wound you. And that's just not likely the reality. But at the same time, we don't always know how else to be. Right? That's that's why we stay in our in our dysfunctions, because I don't know how else to be. And honestly, exploring that is scary. It means vulnerability, it means letting go of things, it means opening myself up to people that could do the same thing again. John Wesley would put it like this: people who wish to be offended will always find some occasion for taking offense. Offense is a choice. Offense happens by your choice. That doesn't mean or disqualify that people do sinful things to people. We understand that. We know that. We still have a responsibility with what we do with that. Our bodies are decaying more rapidly. Our souls are in a constant state of unrest. And we are in a new pandemic that is causing massive disunity in the body of Christ. One author would say that offense is the pandemic of the church, and I would tend to agree that the church is becoming more and more divided because of our offenses, because we don't agree on political lines, because we, we looked at each other crossly, because we didn't show up for each other when I really needed you, because you're just cruel and mean to each other. Defense is dividing, or offense is dividing the church. One study would say that 69% of Americans are harboring grudges and 70% of Americans realize it's bad for your health with one out of five admitting that their mental health has taken the toll. And I've gone through some really hard things. So I know the, the uh, toll on my mind and my body when I am working through an offense. There's been times where I've just been unwilling to let go of them. And then there's been times where I'm like, I'm trying to let go, but this is really difficult. And that tug of war between anger and like letting go is very real. From this study, we can see that most of us are walking around defeated, struggling, carrying what we as Christians would understand as a spirit of offense. And here's the thing, as Christ followers, we have the privilege of knowing Jesus who ultimately forgave us for everything. And so we therefore should extend the same and not having to live under the spirit of offense. Listen, if the enemy can get you defeated, he, if he can get you offended, he can get you defeated. If the enemy can get you offended, he can get you defeated. And we're seeing the toll of offense on our bodies and the body of Christ. So from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God has something to say about how we deal with offense. I like to pull in a little bit of something from the whole Bible because the whole Bible is a Bible of reconciliation. The whole Bible is about redemption. The whole Bible shows us the whole picture of what, who God is and his character and his nature and it's all valid still, okay? So let's look at Leviticus. Anybody read that lately? Good job. Yeah, some of you chronological study people out there, we've read it. All right. Leviticus 19:17 through 18 says, Do not harbor hatred against your brother. Rebuke your neighbor directly, and you will not incur guilt because of him. Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. He just stamps it at the end and says, because I said so. That's really what he's saying. Acts twenty four sixteen, so I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. So while we see that God calls us out of offense, ensuring we aren't harboring unforgiveness and have clean and clear hearts and minds toward others, I think it's important for us today to understand the deep implications of offense when it comes to relating to God and man. So we're gonna dive into four ways that offense is a silent killer. The first one is this. Offense silently kills our intimacy and our communion with our Savior. So here's the thing. Just like the demonstration, you cannot hang on to the hurt and grab a hold of Jesus. Something has to be dropped. That's why we're under here, we raise our hands. We're like saying, hey, let's raise our hands. We're letting go of whatever it is that we're carrying into this room and we're gonna give it to Jesus and we're pursuing him. We have to be re- understand that reaching for him will pull us out of hurt. It'll pull us out into healing, but it requires letting go of the past. And the, the reality is, is that Jesus lifts and the other brings down. The other keeps us stuck. Every time there are losses, Henry Nowen would say, there are choices to be made. You choose to live your losses as passages to anger, blame, hatred, depression, and resentment, or you choose to let these losses losses be passages to something new, something wider and deeper. So going back to that illustration, we wanna pull into all that Jesus has for us and walk forward in the new creation that he promises us when we say yes to him. He promises that we can become a new creation when we say, hey, I wanna follow you, Jesus. We want to do that, we see that illustration, but we have to release the past. We have to release what's entangling us. We have to release the offenses. We have to release the hurt and the bitterness. We have to release our own shame and our own guilt to walk into all that Jesus has for us. Let's look at Matthew five twenty one through 24. It says this, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who's angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So you see Jesus going through in this, in this chapter and talking about what you've heard versus what I expect. And guess what? His expectations are a lot higher than ours. Murder. Murder. You heard that murder would cause judgment. No, no, I will say to you that anger causes judgment. Okay. (laughs) Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Anybody? I won't ask. Insulted anyone recently? (laughs) Whoever says, you fool, will be the subject to hellfire. So if you're offering your gift on the altar... If you're coming to me, Jesus is saying, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave it there in front of the altar and first go and be reconciled with your brother or sister and then come. God wants us to bring clarity. He wants us to bring a clear heart, a pure heart. He wants us to leave all of our hurts and pains where they were, right? It's like the rich young ruler. He says, you got, in order to enter the kingdom of God, you gotta go let all that stuff go. So it's a sacrifice, it's a choice. Our sacrifice, our gift to God is being unoffendable. And if we're offended, going and reconciling with those we've been offended by. One more reminder of this is 1 John 2, 10 through 11. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. See, Jesus is the light, right? We understand that. And our proximity to the light is dependent on how we love the people God created. Even our enemies. Even those who we want to say we hate. Our proximity to the light is based on how we pray for them, how we love them, how we forgive them, how we're kind to them, how we engage with them we cannot let our offenses become a defense against transformation our transformation takes place in letting our offenses go number two offense silently kills our intimacy with others Proverbs eighteen nineteen says this a brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city let's go ahead and have my my people come forward again A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. So here's this illustration again. It's a different one. It's what keeps us from intimacy with others. You just need to stand right in front of him. Block him out. There you go. You can stand around him. So here's the thing. Our offenses keep other people from intimate. Engagement. Can you try to block me out? Try to block me. There you go. Intimate engagement. (laughs) Right? We keep them up like this this guard, this shield, basically, so that we never experience offense again or hurt. But the reality and the trick of it is that it actually makes us more vulnerable to offense. It's like a magnet for, like, people who could... Hurt me because, hey, I've been hurt like that in the past, so I'm almost like looking for it. I'm looking and waiting for this person to, to hit, hit, hurt me like they did, and you are gonna find it because when we look for it, we find it. So the reality is is that in our unwillingness to get rid of our offenses, we're like a strong, unyielding city. We're like a jail cell trapped in this place of offense. Okay, thank you guys so much. So, some of us are bringing our open wounds into new situations, expecting different outcomes. When the threat of infection actually increases, right? Anybody who knows about wounds, like if you're going to leave it open to the world around you and then go like sit in an auditorium with 500 people, the likely, well, first of all, please don't (laughs) put a bandage on, (laughs) but the likelihood of infection and germs is more likely to get into that wound. When we walk into places wanting new things, wanting a new experience, but we haven't let go of the wounds and we haven't allowed God to heal them, we walk in more vulnerable than we ever had been before. Because the chance of someone poking that wound is much greater because it wasn't healed. Our unhealed wounds make it likely for us to experience the same wounds again at a greater level of hurt and pain than if it were healed. Here's the thing, people are people. Are you a person? Probably gonna hurt somebody's feelings. Probably not on purpose, but sometimes you are gonna do it on purpose. There are people that have hurt people on purpose, but the problem is when you come into an environment where you want health and you want community and you want healing and you want wholeness, but you come in with your wounds unhealed, your unwillingness to forgive, people around you are trying to get in, they're trying to get to know you, and they don't realize that they're poking at some wounds. They don't realize that, they, that, that, that you are offended by them or that you, why you ran away from their relationship, Everybody, like, anybody ever just kind of blocked people out because you're like, I don't want to get too close because of da-da-da-da-da. And then... We're not handling our stuff, and then the people can't be in community with us. So here's why as pastors, we often ask people, like, literally, if you come to meet me at the front door. So don't do this if you don't want this advice. But, (laughs) and I know you're kind of searching for a new home, and so you're visiting the well. And maybe you go to, you've been going to another church for years. And I just always encourage, hey, have you talked to your pastor about the fact that you're leaving? Because if you have not left that season well, making sure there's no room for offense for you or them, then you cannot come into this season well. You're gonna bring all your baggage into this season and wonder why you're experiencing the same things. You're experiencing the same things because you didn't deal with the offense. Hebrews 12, 14 says, pursue peace with everyone, right? We understand that, that wounds take time to heal, but we're still called to pursue peace with everyone. When you avoid peace and you simply run away, you limit the growth and intimacy of others as well. Here's the struggle that I often run into is that people just disappear. We're a big church. Now you can kind of get away a little bit easier. You can just disappear. But it's really hard for us to maybe have people out there just disappeared without knowing why. Why? And then hearing through the grapevine, because we do hear a lot of things. Uh, Rumors do always come back, just so you know. Uh, So then hearing, oh, they were offended by this or that. That is unfair to me as a person, because I didn't get to fix that. I didn't get to go, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, or you're, you know, well, we don't do it that way and here's why, or whatever the thing is, or as just a human being, I have a lot of unresolved issues with people that I have to actually just forgive and let go of because I don't get to talk to you because you blocked me out. And when you just run away from relationships without giving room to actually have a conversation that might be hard, you're not allowing the other person to deal with their offenses either. And here's the thing, most often we both have offenses in situations. There's very frequently been times where it's like, you're hurt because of me and I'm hurt because of you. And if we don't get to sit and talk it out, we are, we're both just left limping. See, being at peace with everyone requires us to have the hard conversations to seek that Peace. It gives all parties a chance to find and experience freedom. I think about like maybe there's somebody from your childhood who did deeply hurt you. Maybe it was a a stepfather or a, you know, boyfriend of your, your mother's or you could name the gamut or a cousin or whatever. And they deeply hurt you and traumatized you. And you have every reason to be angry and victimized and upset. But what would it look like to say to that person, I've forgiven you? What doors might it open to their own experiencing of Jesus? I know how hard that would be. I've actually watched it play out. I've watched people do those hard things. And it's beautiful to watch a reconciled relationship. And mind you, not every relationship just because you forgive someone should be reconciled, as in we're still in community. There's such thing as boundaries which are highly recommended by people who hurt people okay so you can forgive someone without being in proximity to them you can let them go without being in proximity to them and I just want to encourage that because some of us are like well I'm really good at forgiving those people are still in my life and they should have been let go a long time ago because they keep wounding you and you keep having to forgive them and eventually that's going to add up some people don't deserve to be in your life okay this is a side note that's okay that doesn't mean you can't love them from a distance Or pray for your enemies from a distance. He does not say, sit at the table of your enemies. Well, he kind of does in the Old Testament, but... (laughs) He says, I'll prepare a table in front of your enemies saying how great you are. There you go. But here's the thing. The reality is, is like, we don't... That's not forgive. You can forgive someone without being in proximity to them. But it still gives everyone a chance when we are willing to have hard conversations when we're willing to say, I forgive you. Or maybe we just have to write a letter and say, hey, what you did was terrible, it hurt me, it's wounded me for my life, it's affected this relationship and that, but I am letting you go and I am letting it go. And what God can do with that, only he can do. What doors it opens for that person to experience, you know, health and healing and freedom and forgiveness for themselves is remarkable. Like, God can do the miracle, right? And listen, the last thing that peace seeking peace does is it eliminates hearsay and gossip. One of the biggest things tearing apart relationships is gossip. So number three, okay. Offense silently kills our ability to find forgiveness. Okay, you guys are gonna love this one. (laughs) Not really. So, here's the thing. I was reading, we read through uh, the Lord's Prayer a lot in Matthew 6. And our kiddos, like, sometimes if I'm taking them to school, we'll, like, pray it together. But Matthew 6 goes on to say, like, we love the Lord's Prayer, right? Like, we quickly say, like, forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. We quickly say those things without really realizing what the meaning of that is. Did I forgive? (laughs) Forgive? But Matthew 6, after the Lord's Prayer, he goes on to say this. Jesus says this, it's red letters. Matthew 6, 14 through 15, this is a message version. I'm gonna put it plainly for us. In prayer, there's a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. So, lest we think this is simply the law of reciprocity playing out, and legalistic. It's not. Listen to Matthew 18. He goes on to say it like this in verse 21. It's a long story, so listen close. Then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle the accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents has Was brought before him, since he did not have the money to pay it back. His master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had, be sold for to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, "Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything." Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, pay what you owe. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. 35 says this, so also my heavenly father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Like, he's not even examining your words. He's saying, deep down, from your heart. See, this isn't a bargain with God. This is simply the conclusion of being with God. We forgive because he forgives. Some of us struggle with this because we don't actually realize the things that he has released us from. We don't actually understand the wounds that we've inflicted upon our Savior. We don't understand that like every single lashing that he took before the cross was based on one of our sins or multiples of them. And the reality is without understanding the weight of what we've been released from, it's very hard to release others of the weight that they have committed against us. But that's what Jesus asks us to do. We got to understand the gravity of the situation that we are to forgive because he forgave us of everything that we've ever repented for. And so therefore, we're called in just the same way to turn around and release the person who owes us. We're called to turn around and let go of the chains that we've shackled to someone else which really will only shackled to us. We're called to cut it. We're called to forgiveness. Unforgiveness is our forgetting what we've been gifted. We forget what we've been gifted when we remain in unforgiveness. St. John Chrysostom I don't think that's how you say it, but I'm gonna says this. <laughs> These like older, like long time ago people. I'm just like, I don't, can you get easier names? All right, says this. I beseech you, let us keep in this in mind, and no longer bear to hold a grudge against those who have done us an injury or otherwise wronged us in some way. Nor be badly disposed towards them. Instead, let us consider of how much kindness and confidence for us. With the Lord, they prove to be instruments, and before all else, the fact that reconciliation with those who injure us turns out to be a discharge of our sins. Thus, let us show all enthusiasm and effort, and out of consideration of the gain accruing from this, let us display as much care for those who injure us as if they were really our benefactors. He goes on to say, do you see whom that person resembles as far as is humanly possible, who not only takes no vengeance on those who harm him, but even shows zeal in praying for them? Accordingly, let us not deprive ourselves through indifference of such gifts and rewards, surpassing all description, but rather evince enthusiasm for this kind of virtue by every means and by discipling But by disciplining our thinking, respond to God's command. So what is he saying in short? It is actually a gift to us when someone hurts us and we walk through forgiveness. It releases our own shame, our own guilt, our own sin as we forgive others, as we have to walk through the painful task of hurt and pain and then forgiving. It's a release so it's like when James says, count it all joy, those of you who've gone through trials because trial leads to perseverance and all the things he lists. The reality is, is there is something to be gifted to us in and through our pain and our release of the things that happen to us. That Jesus could turn around and say, I've done the same for you and I will continue to do the same for you. So as all your butts come to mind, okay? Let's remember how greatly we've hurt our own father and see If we cannot apply the same balm to our own wounds. The last point is this, and our team can come up. Offense gets in the way of others finding Jesus. Listen, in your cynicism and your constant complaining about what's happened to you, you're building people around your offense, you're keeping people from finding Jesus. Here's what I want you to know. If you do not guard your heart, you cannot guard your mouth. And we are to be a living testimony of what our Savior has extended to us of the hope that we have found in Jesus. There are literal people going to hell. There are people who are experiencing eternal apartness from God. And our job as Christ followers is to lead them to salvation. And we can only lead them to salvation by showing them the same grace, the same kindness, showing them how we forgive others, showing them our joy, showing them our peace. And they experience that by watching us. So you might be thinking, well, I'm just talking to my coworker. And you know, they're a safe place. Does your coworker know Jesus? Is all your coworker hearing is you complaining about everyone around you? Is all they're hearing is how you do not know how to forgive? So who have you been transformed by? Because your Jesus sure doesn't look very powerful if you can't let go of this. People are watching and their eternity is at stake by our choices. Now, God is so much bigger than you, so that's good news. Even the creation cries out and shares his glory. They have a way, but guess what? We're still supposed to help lead them there. And when we don't choose to release people from what they've done to us, when we don't choose to release the offenses, when we don't choose to assume the highest of one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, We are not leading people to the cross of which we need it applied to our own life. We are a testimony. We are the story of Christ. We are the story of our King. We gotta realize that when we harbor unforgiveness, it spews out of us, onto everyone around us. Nobody's safe. And we're called to not be that. We're called to be the testimony of Christ. So as we close today, I'm reminded of this scripture in Psalm 133. It says this, how delightfully good when brothers live together in harmony. It is like fine oil on the head, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard, onto his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion for there the lord has appointed the blessing life forevermore the reality is is that when we are willing to be unoffendable when we are willing to stay united as a body of christ there is an anointing that flows out of that there is an anointing that comes upon the people of god and there is a reach that is like not capped out i was talking to our team this week, just sharing this verse about, you know, the building and our expansion. And this verse has always been in front of us as we prayed for like God to uh, supply a home that's permanent, that's ours. And uh, I usually just send verse two, but the whole first three verses is really powerful in this moment, especially as to how God can impact the world around us through our willingness to be united and undivided and to work through the anointing that he's given us. So it says this in Isaiah 54, and this will not be on the screen because I'm bringing it in last minute. Rejoice, childless one, who did not give birth but burst into song and shout. You who have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. I love that idea because the reality is is that in our Desolation in our place of humanity, in our hurt and pain, that when we pursue the King of Kings and we pursue unity, we will actually have more people influenced and affected by the body of Christ, affected by the body of Christ, than, than the one who can produce all the, all the people, the world. We will have an influence and an effect. So it says, enlarge the side of your tent and let your tent curtains be stretched out. Do not be held back. Lengthen your ropes and drive deep your pegs. For you will spread out to the right and to the left and your descendants will dispossess nations and inhabit desolate cities. And here's the thing. Our world is in a place of desolation and they need the anointed body of Christ to infiltrate their situations and their circumstances. So your offense isn't just about you. It's not just for you to keep holding on to, to be a badge of honor. It is something to be released so that the kingdom of God can come and be experienced on earth as it is in heaven. And going all the way back to what Jesus said where he said, even if you're angry, that is the kingdom of God. The mustard seed of faith, the mustard seed of forgiveness can infiltrate, can actually produce crops beyond what you can ask or imagine. Whereas offense produces weeds, offense tears down, unforgiveness keeps us trapped. What would it be like if we chose not to be offendable? If we chose not to pick up some things. If we forgave as quickly as our Father forgave us. What would it look like? So I understand that some of us are carrying really deep wounds. And this actually has just been poking at them. So I'm sorry for that. But I also believe that God has you here on purpose and wants to heal them and he's asking you to do the really hard thing of letting it go and forgiving so I'm going to ask that all around the room we just close our eyes in this moment and if today you're in the room and you're saying I'm going to forgive I'm choosing forgiveness would you just lift your hands right now if there's a situation that you're saying I got to let go of this all around the room both auditoriums online lift your hands right now if that's you well God you see the deep 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 hurts in our lives, God. You see the relationships that are unreconciled, Lord. You see the um, hurts and the pains that we've gone through in our childhood, Lord, or even in our adulthood. And Lord, while it is so hard to let it go, we know that we can because we've been given a Savior who's done the same for us. So Father, I just pray right now that you would just come into this place, Lord God. And for those things that are hard to let go, would right now, we just breathe, I forgive. I wanna encourage this. Right now, I want you to say it out loud. I forgive, and insert the name. I forgive, insert the name. All over the room, I forgive. God, right now, in our faith, which it is taking some of us to act in forgiveness, I pray that you would just come in and sweep in that wound Lord, and that you would heal, Lord God, what is broken, and that you would put back together what has been hurt, Lord Jesus, and that you ultimately would make us whole, God. That we do not need that person to come and apologize and get on their knees, but we just need to know that you can heal it all, God. And we just thank you, Lord, and we release it to you today in Jesus' name. And we're gonna go ahead and leave our heads bowed and our eyes closed for one more moment as we do one of the most important things of our service, which is to invite people to accept Jesus as their savior. And here's the thing, maybe you're in the room today and you're like, well, I haven't even experienced this Jesus, but I... I want to know this this Jesus that releases me of this shame and this guilt and this unknowing and I want the hope of the cross and I want to know that I am a heaven-bound kid when I leave this life. I wanna encourage you today, maybe today is the day that you are here to say yes to Jesus and make him your personal Lord and Savior. So we're gonna say a prayer all together and I just wanna encourage you, if you're in the room today and you are going to say yes to Jesus, to say this prayer with us boldly. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I accept you as my savior, knowing without you this life has little purpose and knowing with you I have everything. I repent of my sins, asking for forgiveness. Thank you for redeeming me and making me new.